regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins. And over there is our co-host, Dr. K. Say hi to the people. Hey, what's up? What's up? I'm busy, man. Is your is your life and your work and your busyness like very seasonal? It's very seasonal for me, and I'm in a very busy, busy season with everything right now. Um, I'm I'm just busy, that's for sure. But it's a good <laughs> thing. Like I'm actually traveling again this Thursday, so it's like I'm trying to play uh, get ahead of things. Well, that's good. You know, we read that book Make Time uh, mm-hmm. a while back, and one of the things in that book was, you know, you ask people how they're doing. It's always like busy, busy. And I just did that myself, like busy, but, and that's not necessarily the goal of everything, but that is certainly how I feel right now. But like you said, for me, it's a very good busy, but a lot of projects going on in my business. Most of the busyness is with my business, just trying to accomplish a whole heck of a lot at the same time. And I got to tell you, man, I'm having so much fun. I'm waking up early. I got up at four this morning. I, normally, I don't even set an alarm. I'm just so excited about waking up and starting to work on my projects. Did you ever read the book? I'm dropping some, some book references here that I didn't even plan to. But did you ever read the book, The Miracle Morning? No, I never did. You heard of it though, huh? Yeah, you and Nate talked about it at some point. Yeah. Hal Elrod is the writer of that book. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's very good. I don't do like the, the exact miracle morning every morning or anything. But one of the things that stuck out at me in that book was how he said, if, you're, if you truly have a mission and a purpose and you're excited about what you're doing the next morning, then it can be actually really easy to wake up. So the past few weeks, I have not set an alarm, but I'll wake up anywhere between four and six in the morning and I, I see the time and I'm just like, all right, let's get after it. Let's do it. Dang, that's crazy. Because yeah, I remember during that make time interview, you said that you naturally need just a lot of sleep. So do you feel like you're needing less sleep or you're just that excited? Man, I need a good like eight, nine hours, ideally. And every once in a while, I'll sleep 10 hours. I I need sleep. I feel great when I sleep a lot. And my kids get up about 7, 7.30. So that's just our natural alarm clock. They get up and then come wake us up. So I never sleep past that. But normally... When I'm not in such a season of busyness, then I will wake up at 7.30 and get a ton of sleep. But right now, I'm not getting as much sleep. I'm still getting seven to eight hours because I don't stay up late or anything. But I feel just as good. And I guess that's just because I'm so excited about the things I'm working on. That's awesome. Yeah. And if I could just highlight a few, few of those things, we've talked about most of them on the podcast. But as you know, I'm evaluating course platforms, right? <laughs> not ready to... I, I haven't officially picked one yet. I'm moving in a certain direction. But every time I talk to somebody on this podcast, I, you know, new things come up and we'll get into that today uh, because the, the guy that I interviewed for today's episode actually is in a different place in a different direction that completely contradicts what Jason said last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get to that. I'm doing this boot camp where I'm teaching my curriculum live. So I do that every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, which takes up a lot of time. Uh, in conjunction with that, I'm working on the new curriculum for my piano course. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I'm actually working on two new piano courses that are actually not done by me. I'm outsourcing them, but it's a jazz piano in 21 days. Wow. And a classical piano in 21 days. Did I tell you that? 
no, you didn't. Uh, <laughs> no. Got a lot of stuff going on. There's so many no things. Doubt. I don't even like, it's hard to keep track of them all unless I write them down. Fortunately, Colleen is around. She's managing everything for me in Asana. And um, she's she's helping all this go a lot more smoothly if I didn't have her. But with those, so that those are two more courses that my audience has just been asking for. Hey, I, I've finished the first course. I would like to learn jazz. I'd like to learn blues. I'd like to learn cocktail piano. Those are three genres of piano that will all be lumped into one new full-fledged 21 lesson course. And then we also have a classical and sheet music in 21 days course, which kind of somewhat goes against the messaging of piano in 21 days, but it's what my people are asking for. They finished the first course and they want to go in certain directions. And now I'm going to have multiple paths for them to go in. And I found one really amazing pianist in New York that is helping me put together both of these new courses. That's awesome. But of course, that leads into this whole, um, how are you going to package it up? How are you going to sell it? Um, you don't want confusion yeah. when you're uh, doing your sales. But yeah, that'll be, I mean, I'm sure you're debating that or do you have that figured out? Yeah, I have uh, some ideas. It's not finalized yet because we're still a couple months away from the official kind of relaunch of everything, including the, the updated version of my main Piano in 21 Days course. So we'll see. It's not, it's not like those new courses I'm going to sell on their own. They'll be packaged up with everything um, in some kind of way. And I'll, I'll continue to share that as more details get finalized. So, and even like I'm putting together a new logo, a new piano in 21 days logo, which is not an easy task because I want it to just be perfect. And I mostly did the existing logo myself and I'm getting it professionally redone right now. And it's, it's looking really, really good. So a lot, a lot of, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things going on over here. So you're not using one of the contests? No, because I actually have a graphic designer on my team now. Okay. Yeah. So I, I gave him the project. I told him what I was looking for. And to be honest with you, his first couple of revisions, we went backwards. They weren't what I was looking for. And I was like, hey, um, Avandro, just being honest with you, this is not the direction I wanted to go. If this is not your specialty, just let me know. I'm, I might go over to 99designs or 48 hours logo and uh, do a contest. And he's like, Jock, trust me, give me one more, give me one more chance. If you don't like it, then go over there. And man, his next revision, he nailed it. And so we've wow. just been tweaking little things, but I'm really excited about the, the new version of the logo as well. So all kinds of different things going on. As nice. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. So what's up? What's up with you, man? Oh man. Well, um, this weekend, again, I'm traveling on Thursday. I'm going to the Smoky Mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. So this Ooh. weekend, uh, this past weekend, I was like, I got to catch up on paperwork. And so in the background, I just loaded up um, your next level courses portal and just I, I listened to like six of your Q&As over the weekend. And uh, yeah, very, again, like I shared before, the next level Q&As, uh, the people that are participating in that higher level coaching group are just exceptional people. Um, super fun to hear what they're working on and how far they've come. And then just imagine you know, how your, how your strategies are going to help them get to the next level. Uh, but I did have a couple questions from listening. So one of them, um, I was actually going to ask you somewhere in there, you mentioned piano in 21 days for kids. Mm. And then you just told me, uh, <laughs> you told me that piano in 21 days for jazz piano, um, you know, what's the plan for kids? Yeah. Is that in the works? I think that could be a cool, uh, a cool thing. Piano in 21 days for kids. That's not something people are asking for as much but I definitely think there's a market out there for it. When parents want to put kids in piano lessons, it's, it's the traditional path and they have to learn sheet music and scales and all that. And so I definitely think there is a market for a different approach to learning piano for kids as well. 
My program is absolutely for adults. It's not for kids, mostly because of hand size and not so much mental capacity. Everything that I teach in the course is assuming you have adult-sized hands. And so if you're seven years old or eight years old, a lot of the things I'm showing you on the piano aren't going to work. So I do have, I, I would like to see a, a kid's course in my library within the next couple of years, but that is not going to be a part of this upcoming relaunch. Mm-hmm. So another question, um, you mentioned that you had like two different local film people come in and do a lighting audit. And I thought that was really brilliant. I was just curious, like, like, did somebody recommend that, that you learned that? Or tell us that process of having somebody come in and do a lighting audit. Because for anybody who hasn't seen your videos, you got to check Jock's current video setup. It's, it's really amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I have hopefully figured out what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And one thing I'm definitely not good at for whatever reason is lighting. And, and I guess I'm just not properly trained. But I've for years struggled with lighting. For videos. And I, I've been on video since 2013. It's a big part of my business, teaching piano on video. And I've just always, 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 always struggled with it. And so uh, I got connected. I met uh, a local videographer a couple years back. And I was like, hey, man, what would it take for you to come to my studio for an hour and just help me with lighting? And it was like, he charged $100 an hour for consulting. So I paid him 100 bucks. He came in, he arranged my lights, total game changer. Amazing. I redid about six months later, I kind of moved things around. I called him up. He came back again. I paid him another $100 to readjust since I moved things around. And um, I got connected with another videographer here recently who actually went to the gym that I go to. We, we worked out together for like a couple of years and uh, it took a long time for us to exchange what we did for a living. And when he found out I taught over video and I found out he was a filmmaker, I was like, holy smokes, we got to get together, man. So he's He's actually working on a couple of projects for me. In fact, I even told him about your idea for the the commercial with the the man like learning piano. Oh, nice. In secret from he keeping it from his wife and then revealing it cuz he's he's got access to actors like he he has he's worked on things that are on Netflix. He's a really really um really accomplished just like filmmaker and he's working on a few projects for me that require a local videographer. So he came in and we were working on one of the projects and he was looking at my lighting. He's like, you know, we could do a lot better here. So this was like a month ago and he did, what he did was indirect. So the first guy did direct light. He put he put uh, two lights on me from the front, kind of at a 45 degree angle and one light at the back and then kind of one shining on my piano. But this guy has all the lights pointing at the wall. It's a lot more professional and a little, a little more subtle. And that's how you're seeing me right now. And uh, And so point is that, even though I know that, okay, one guy pointed him at me, one guy pointed him at the wall, I still wouldn't know how to do it. I couldn't come to your studio, your office and set this up. And, and nor do I even want to learn that. So I outsource a lot. I use Upwork a lot. I use people all over the world. But one area that I found it's really good to outsource locally is get somebody to come help you with your lighting setup. Pay a hundred bucks. It's a game changer. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. And then I think I heard a little clue. I know that uh, you might not be willing to uh, fully commit to a platform yet, but there was a little <laughs> clue in there. There was a mention of a service that I'd never heard mentioned before called Buddy Boss and yeah. App Boss. Yeah. So, so uh, is that a clue about what direction you're going? Well, it's like I said, I haven't finalized anything. I'm, I'm looking at every possible platform. And if I end up going with something like LearnDash, which is a WordPress plugin, which Jason Dion last week told us he's moving off of. You'll hear from Matthew Woodward today, all the reasons he is using LearnDash and loves it is not moving off. If I use something like LearnDash, 
I will have to use a plugin like Buddy Boss, which is the social component to a LearnDash, really. They go hand in hand. There's a lot of advantages to a platform like that. There's also a lot of disadvantages to a platform like that as well. But if, if you've never heard of Buddy Boss, it's very, very interesting. BuddyBoss.com, check it out. It looks really, really cool. And that is certainly one of the 15 platforms okay. that I'm looking into right now. All right, nice. Um, the last thing, uh, my takeaway from the next level of courses is just that um, you got this young badass in there, Andrew Seguin. Man. Or, I'm not sure I pronounced his name right, but yeah, I mean, for the podcast listeners, this guy is 18 years old. He's up in Canada and he's got this, his website is masterfingerstyleguitar.com. And uh, he is just so cool. Just a total entrepreneur and uh, taking Jock's advice, putting it into action. But the most interesting takeaway is just he's killing it specifically with Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's upping his spend. I think at one point he said he's spending around $150 a day, but he's actually getting that return on investment. Um, so yeah, Andrew, you're, you're amazing. I love hearing when you jump on there and give the updates about what you're up to. Um, for you though, Jacques, I was thinking like, you know, he's kind of doing better at Facebook ads than you are. And so yeah. I wanted to give you a... a another suggested YouTube ad video. And it was kind of funny. Again, I was just in the office. I was listening to those. Then I'd take breaks and play on Facebook. And there were these two commercials or two advertisements that showed up in my feed. Uh, one was for this course called Show Her Off. Mm -hmm. and I've seen that. Yeah, it's, it's basically this like you and your wife, you and a, a person and their girlfriend, they learned to dance in their living room with these online courses. And then there was another, another advertisement for um, the budgeting platform, YNAB. So you need mm -hmm. a budget. And both of those, I was like, these totally are ads that show that whole idea of transformation, not information. So you want to hear my new, uh, my new suggestion for your Facebook ad? I have my pen and paper ready to go, David. Let's <laughs> All right. go. All right. So it starts off. We got to start out with some emotion. So like this guy like just plays these first notes of a song and the woman like you can see there just like gasps and just like starts crying. And then you pop up, you say learning piano in 21 days could be the best gift you've ever given someone. Um, so then it's like this person playing piano with like a group of friends sitting around or standing around with some white claws. And then you're like, it can make you feel like a rock star at parties or family get togethers. Um, so then next you have, I think you have a lady in your course that said that she was really feeling depressed after losing a family member mm -hmm. and that piano brought her comfort and just kind of like helped her emotionally heal. So you'd have that person just saying like, you know, learning piano helped me, help me heal during this difficult time. And, and then you'd pop back up and you'd say, it can bring you comfort, peace and be a fun hobby to take the place of boredom. And then you'd have somebody from your community, they'd say, I love the piano in 21 days community. And then you'd pop back on and you'd say, it can introduce you to thousands of piano playing friends around the world. And so then you just go into like a little quick pitch about how, you know, take the free webinar. But um, yeah, I think that uh, I think that could be one again with that show her off ad and the you need a budget ad, both of those quick video ads that I, I actually had shared them to the online course community Facebook group. But both of those are up at like 1.3, 1.7 million views. Yeah. And so I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a video ad that would get you to, you know, two million views. I appreciate it. Once again, I think that's a phenomenal idea. I'm going to add that to the list uh, among all your other amazing ideas. You know, most of the time I go to record a video, or most people's video ads and whatnot are are like talking head or the the talent with their device or, or whatever their niche is, right? So for me, it's me and my piano. 
And I often don't think about going outside the box and, and having actors and these different scenes and making it more like a commercial that would be on TV. And even things like I've seen, you know, Hulu, I've seen them advertise to me about they have a self-serve ad platform to where, you know, you could get a video in front before TV shows that people are watching on on Hulu. And that's the type of ad I think would work well for something like that, or even on Facebook or YouTube ads as well. It's uh it's it's very much outside of the box thinking. And it's a different approach, but I would I, I need to try that. In the next like six months, we need to have a piano in 21 days ad like that. Hold me to it, please. All right, man. Amazing idea. Let's set and the thanks date. for bringing up. Yeah. Well, once we get through all, all this other stuff, I already told you how busy I am right now. I'm glad you mentioned next level courses. It's not my focus right now. I'm completely focused on my piano in 21 days brand right now. Everything going on on the online course guy side of things is I'm just leaving it in a steady state. So we're doing the podcast weekly. I'm doing next level courses and that's about it. I have a lot of ideas, a lot of plans for next level courses. What it is right now is a it's a membership. It's a monthly membership and it's so much fun. I, I just I enjoy it so much. One of the biggest things is these weekly Q and A's, which is what you mentioned. I usually do it each Tuesday after you and I meet and uh, it's about an hour, hour and a half. And I just bring people on one at a time for like five to 10 minutes. And I just answer their questions in terms of, okay, if I was in your position, what would I do? Right. I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I'm saying, if you want my advice, if you want to know what I would do in your particular situation, fine. Tell me where you are. Tell me where you want to be. And I'll tell you the steps that I would personally take to get there. And so that's kind of what Next Level Courses is. There's some training in a portal as well. And we save all the, the Q&A replays there, which is what you logged into, find the replays. But I called it Next Level Courses because I want to help people take their course to the next level, right? And I think that next level, there, there's never an end to it, right? I'm constantly, I've been doing this for seven years, constantly trying to take my course, my system to the next level. But you know, there's a, there's a deeper meaning to it as well. I don't know if you know this, but my brand is the online course guy. This is the online course show, right? But online courses, right? Typically online courses are very pre-recorded, passive. Like there's not a lot of interaction, right? There's also memberships, which is kind of different than an online course. There's, there's group coaching, there's program. There's a lot of words, right? There's a lot of more words in this industry other than just online courses, and I think to have a next level course is more than just this passive four hour work week. I think a next level course, in my definition, is a course and a program that where you want to see transformation over information, right? It's not just an online course, it's a next level course where it's got some interaction, it's got some accountability, it's got community. And that's where I would like to see most of the audience go is to be passionate about their topic and genuinely want to help those in their audience transform and not just make money while you sleep. That's a next level course. To wrap that up, the price is going to go up, but we're in a steady state right now. So it's not going to go up yet until I finish all my piano in 21 days stuff, right? So there's probably 70 people in next level courses right now. Right now for a limited time, there's two ways to get in. You can pay $67 a month or you can sign up for ClickFunnels under my affiliate link and get in for free. which is a heck of a deal. And it's about, actually more people are joining with the paid route, which I didn't see happening. Very, very interesting. We've only re, relaunched Next Level Courses at the beginning of August, but it's going well. If you're interested, the price is definitely going up probably around January 1st. The ClickFunnels offer is going away. That price is definitely, definitely going up, but it's a lot of fun. And so if you want to get in, get in now. 
theonlinecourseguy.com, Next Level Courses. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to mention that uh, since I'm going to be out of town next week on uh, on our usual recording day, I had suggested that you actually record uh, record the Next Level session and release it as a podcast episode. I thought that was a great idea. I am going to do that. Next week, when we do the Q&A for Next Level Courses, that recording will be the next podcast episode. So awesome. if you want to hear what a Q&A session is like for Next Level Courses, stay tuned for next week's podcast episode. David, once again, an awesome suggestion. Really appreciate that. And um, and that'll give folks an idea of what, what those sessions are like and if they think they might be able to get any value out of it. You ready to talk about SEO? Let's talk about it. We talk about it here and there, but this this guest today is a absolute wizard when it comes to SEO. And I get pitches every day, sometimes multiple times a day for people wanting to come on the podcast. And it's not the this isn't the biggest podcast in the world. It's got an amazing following. It's it's a top 100 entrepreneurship podcast. I could only imagine, you know, the top 10, you know, business podcasts or overall like how many times they get pitched. And 99.9% of the time I say no thank you or ignore it because 99.9% of the pitches are very very poor, right? This one was was an okay pitch, but I knew the guy already. I knew Matthew Woodward already. I know of him because I've followed his, his stuff for a long time. It's extremely high quality stuff. And back before I outsourced my SEO, that was like my go-to source for SEO information, matthewwoodward.co.uk. Have you ever heard of him before today? I never had. I'm sure a lot of people listening have heard of him. He's big in the SEO space amazing site, like really well organized, really great information. And so when I saw the the pitch come through from his assistant, I was like, holy smokes, Matthew Woodward, I'd love to talk to him about SEO. And so that's how this interview, this conversation got set up. So I was super pumped to talk to him. He definitely lived up to the hype. So without further ado, here's the full conversation between me and Matthew Woodward. Hi, Matt, welcome to the online course show. Hi, thank you for having me on. My pleasure. I got to admit, I'm a little like, I feel like I'm in over my head, man, because I I don't know much about SEO and I feel like you're like the (laughs) expert. So I'm going to do the best I can with this conversation, man. But uh, it's an honor to speak with you and I'm looking forward to you sharing some of this knowledge, especially around SEO with the listeners. Yeah, I mean, um, look, I've got a, a nice blend of skills from corporate e-commerce. I've done my own launches and SEO. I really know how to, to bring it all together into an actionable strategy. And, you know, today the goal is to show you, you know, how can I essentially increase core sales using SEO, even if you don't really know much about SEO. So grab a pen and paper and thanks for having me on. And uh, if, you, if you get stuck anywhere in the conversation uh, with, with SEO, don't worry, I'll take the floor. <laughs> cool. Well, I've got my pen and paper here. And to be honest with you, Matt, for the past three to four years, I have completely outsourced mm-hmm. my SEO because I, I try to stay in my lane. And SEO, doing it myself has never been my strong suit. I, I kind of, through the years, identified what I'm good at and then try to outsource the rest. So I'll do the, do the best I can with the questions here. <laughs> but that's where I'm coming from. I've yeah. got a successful online piano course, but somebody else handles the SEO, even though when you Google how to play piano, some broad terms, learn piano, how to play piano. I show up on the first page. Yeah, that's great. So he's doing something right. You know, if, if you're outsourcing SEO, I'm sure you've learned your own series of lessons over time. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So look, I mean, the audience, there's, there's two main groups of people here that, are, that would be listening to this. We have aspiring course creators. Yep. They're at the beginning stages, haven't launched their course yet. 
Okay. Okay. Then we also have existing course creator that are making a few hundred dollars a month, a few thousand dollars a month, even six figures a month. I mean, that runs the gamut on where they're at in their journey. Mm -hmm. But just think about that. Aspiring course creators, let's start. Which one would you like to start talking to first? Let's go with aspiring because they're an earlier stage in the journey. And then we can save all the the, the plan and the strategy for for people that have got existing sites at the end. And that's where the the real meat's going to come, you know? So when we're starting out, should we even be thinking about SEO? When you're starting out, you need to have SEO in mind, but only at the point that you're building your site. And most people, when they're launching a product, are launching it to a a list or they're going to run some paid or any of the free ways that you can generate leads into your funnel. So you need to be aware in terms of you don't want to end up building out your entire course on some kind of subdomain on, on, on one of the big, big course software as a service providers. You want to make sure you are on your own custom domain and you control all of the content on that. For the most part, people are going to use WordPress to do that. It's a solid choice because no matter what you want to do, what challenges you face in the future, challenges you may not be aware of now, usually with WordPress, you can bridge that gap. And from an SEO standpoint, WordPress just makes it easy to build a site that's fast and easy to use. And if you want to add any features or or, or SEO plugins, they're just there. They're a click away. Whereas if you're on a subdomain of some software as a service, uh, you're very limited, not first because Google's not going to take you very seriously in ranking when you're on that subdomain, but then secondly, as you grow in the future, you've really set a, a low ceiling for yourself. So if you're just starting out, you need to have it on your roadmap that you will have your own site, your own custom domain that sells a course and perhaps acts as a blog or you create content that attracts the right type of people that will then convert into course buyers. So Whatever platform you choose, you need that capability. My recommendation is WordPress. And as long as you've got that in mind from the start, you're going to overcome many of the challenges before they even become challenges. Yeah. So if I'm starting from scratch and we'll just use my brand name because yeah. it's easy for me, but what you're saying is don't don't get piano in 21 dayscom yeah. or piano in 21 dayscom yeah. yeah, yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, super yeah. lazy, easy way to go about it. Actually register your domain and your recommendation is to... Install yep. WordPress. Yeah, yeah. Build a brand, get a site. I mean, right now, what it costs ten dollars a year for a domain. You can, mm-hmm. if you if you go into Google and you do a search for shared hosting offers, you'll find the web hosting talk forum. You can pick up decent hosting for about a dollar, two dollars a month, and uh, yeah, just build a site out. As you know, my course is built on WordPress. It's delivered in WordPress. Everything is done in WordPress. Um, what I don't like about software as a service is it's expensive. It's a subscription and it's limited in what you can do. You're locked into their ecosphere. And if you look at Shopify now, how expensive some apps are and just the average cost of running a Shopify store, it's nuts. So it didn't used to be like that. Um, so looking at these other course platforms that have a monthly recurring fee, you know, there's risk there in the future and cost now. So all my courses are built with LearnDash. It's a one-time fee, plug it into WordPress, and there you've got all the flexibility you ever need for building content and, and everything like that and making sure your SEO is sound. And also building landing pages and all the other things that you need to build a successful funnel in what you're doing. So yeah, WordPress, I'm, I'm a big fan and proof's in the pudding. <laughs> so we, we haven't talked a lot before we, we started recording everything. And so I didn't know you were on Learn Dash, but I'm very excited about that. Why? Because it's great context for the podcast as a whole, because the very last episode, 
We talked to a guy who's very, very successful. He brings in about $2 million a year from his courses. And uh, he's on LearnDash, has been on for the past 18 months, and is about to switch off of LearnDash. Oh. Because he said it's just, there's just too many issues with updates, plugins updating, WordPress updating, things not jiving, and their customer support hasn't been very good to him. And it's been okay for 18 months. But you know his server costs are, are skyrocketing. He's paying like eight hundred dollars a month now for for server load because he's got so many students, and so he's he's just done with it and he's switching to Thinkific. Oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Sounds like uh, obviously you got you're in charge of maintenance when you're on WordPress. Yes, but most of these things are solved by take a backup, do the updates. If it doesn't work, put the backup. If you use a host like Kinsta, backups are done in about four to five seconds, no matter how big mm-hmm. your site is. Whereas some hosts, it can take 15 to 20 minutes. And, you know, that makes the process very sluggish and, and frustrating to deal with. But Kinsta, you hit backup, it's done in a few seconds. Do your updates. If it doesn't work, just roll back immediately. Yeah, there is that side of it, of course. But he's never going to rank his course site on Thinkific. It's never going to appear in Google. Yeah. So that's one of the limitations. He still needs to, if he wants to grow search traffic, he still needs a WordPress blog which still means he's going to face these kinds of problems. But, you know, there's not one way to stroke the cat, so to speak. <laughs> well, the other part of this context, Matt, is that I've had my course, my piano course has been around for seven years, and it's been on the same platform for about four years, and I'm actively looking for another platform to move it onto. Yeah. So my course is on ClickFunnels right now. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's um, to access it, my users have to go to members. Piano in 21 dayscom yes. right? There's no yeah. ClickFunnels in the yeah. in the domain, even though it's it's hosted over there in ClickFunnels. However, my main site, you go to piano in 21 dayscom That's still a WordPress yes. site, yeah. right? And Jay and the 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 guy that was on last week, we were just talking about. I'm sure his is it's the same way, where he's still going to have a WordPress site, but it's just his course is on its subdomain somewhere else. Yeah, and and that's a way of doing it. The reason I don't do that is because once you start getting into tracking traffic, your conversion sources, where did they come from? What page did they interact with? You know, it becomes much more complicated when you're pushing people around different subdomains. And sometimes even if you are using a subdomain like that, the car is then on a different domain. And when you try and piece all that together, you know, and you're trying to post those conversions back into Facebook or to Google Analytics or or whatever it is, it becomes an uphill battle. And then you don't know where your revenue is coming from and you're probably losing a lot of money on your ad spend. So yeah, I'm a fan of keeping everything on one domain, one place for, for many, many reasons, not just customer experience, but long-term profitability as well. You lose a lot of that advantage by... You can do cross-subdomain tracking and you can set it all up, but it's, it's an extra layer of complication. I'd rather just update plugins. <laughs> okay. So, so that leads me to this question. Right now, you know, the main domain, pianoin21days.com is a WordPress site. Yes. If I were to pick something like LearnDash as my LMS of choice and it would need WordPress, would you recommend I put that on the existing site? Or my thought was that I would, even though it's still WordPress, I would just have a fresh install of WordPress on a new subdomain. It sounds like you're... That's not what you would recommend I would do. No, I have it. I I have it on one, all on one install. For the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah, for all of the reasons uh, I mentioned. It, it, it Because if you've got two installs, well, now you've got to upset, up, deal with two sets of plugin updates and two sets of maintenance schedules. And, you know, and then 
you might update the Facebook pixel somewhere on, on this side, but forget to do it on that side. And it just creates, in my opinion, an unnecessary complication. One of the issues with WordPress, though, that you will face is, for example, if you have LearnDash installed on the site, what WordPress is actually going to do is it's going to load all of the JavaScript and all of the CSS and all of the files for LearnDash, irrespective of whether you're on a page that uses LearnDash or not. So for example, on your homepage, it's going to add all this bloat to it with LearnDash script that isn't used. It's one of the weaknesses of how WordPress is built. WordPress is built, for example, if you have a contact form plugin, contact form seven is a popular one, but I'm not picking on that. They all do this. You usually only use it on your contact page, but the JavaScript and CSS is loaded on every single page on your site, regardless of whether you're using a contact form there or not. Same is true for LearnDash. So the way to get control of that is with a plugin called Perf Matters. And that allows you to disable all of the LearnDash kind of bloat. So it's only loaded on a LearnDash page or in a course page or a topic or anything like that. That's really easy. It sounds complicated, but it's install a plugin and just tick a box. That's it. So that's one of the main issues you get when you start piling everything into one install. But it's just optimizing and uh, making sure you take care of those things. And, and it can be done with anyone with no, no experience in about an hour. So in addition to an SEO expert, would you consider yourself a WordPress expert as well at this point? I mean, I built my first websites in Notepad. We, we didn't have HTML editors. <laughs> yeah. So is that a yes? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm inside out, back to front all my life. A, a computer nerd, WordPress, I know very well and its weaknesses and, and how to overcome them. Yeah, yeah. But WordPress, it's been around for quite some time. And I feel like it's still the gold standard if you're going to start a site, especially if you're going to start a blog. Why is that? And are there any significant competitors to WordPress? Well, two reasons. It's free and it's open. You know, you can build pretty much whatever you want in WordPress. And if whatever you can imagine, you can usually find a plugin that does it and and achieves what you need to do. And if it doesn't, usually with a cheap developer, you can get it there. You could use other things like Expression Engine, for example, but there's just not the same level of support and customization and openness that you get with WordPress. And yeah, nearly everything integrates with WordPress or connects with WordPress in one way or another, whether that's, you know, LearnDash or the blog or whatever you want to do. So um, yeah, I think WordPress just, uh, it removes a lot of the challenges, uh, the technical challenges to building a site and uh, getting things going. So if it's free, how do they make money? Well, they're owned by a company called Automatic that have a range of services and things. Um, you know, they believe it or not do WordPress hosting. They also do self-hosted where they host the WordPress and you pay a subscription fee. There's a number of ways they pull revenue from it. Okay. It's often uh, something I wonder about anytime you see free software, um, you, you got to figure out, you got to wonder what their end game is. And, and a lot of the social media networks obviously rely on advertising. And yeah. when I log into my WordPress dashboard, I don't see a bunch of ads pop up typically, I guess, unless I'm installing a free plugin, sometimes mm-hmm. they'll have ads yeah. running. Sometimes, you know? all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so we started getting into some weeds that I didn't know we were going to get into already. So let's jump back to, you know, we were, we were originally talking to, maybe aspiring course creators, somebody they're working yeah. on their first course. And um, big mistake that I see, Matt, is one of the first steps they take is they actually make the course. And then they kind of, they'll go launch it and it's like, well, nobody's buying it. Well, hey, you didn't 
you haven't built an audience, you haven't generating traffic yet, you might not even have a funnel, mm-hmm. right? Do you have any recommendation for people starting out in, in, order, in terms of the steps they take to actually succeed with selling their own product online? I mean, I, to launch my first course, I just followed Jeff Walker's product launch formula. And that allowed me to, because I'm an SEO, right? You know, I was also that kid that was knocking on your door and asking to wash your car or sell your stuff. And, you know, always, I, I've always had the, the entrepreneur spirit. So despite finding my real passion in SEO, I was good at kind of cold offline sales. Bringing it online, I, I struggled with a little bit. So rather than waste time kind of figuring it out and going here, there, 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 the, the, the quickest way for me to launch the course was just to go in a straight line. And that was to find someone or find a course or a consultant or someone that would tell me step by step what I needed to do. For me, that was Jeff Walker and product launch formula. Yeah. And his course has been around for quite some time now. When, when was this that you would have gone through his course and launched your first course? I've done PLF launches. I've done several of them over the last six years. The most recent of which was in March this year, right during the, uh, the COVID. So PLF launches mm-hmm. have historically been very popular and worked really well. I feel yeah. like webinar, evergreen and live webinar launches have kind of surpassed them in yes. terms of popularity for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, you're still holding on to the PLF. <laughs> have you considered yeah, trying the, webinars? Look, the, 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 the webinar is easy. It's because the sales lifecycle is shortened. It's like this, right? When it's product launch formula style, you're grabbing someone's attention and then you're nurturing them over a few days and pitching them to them seven days later. There's a seven-day window before capturing attention and pitching them. On webinar, all of that happens usually in the space of 45 minutes. So in the modern world, you know, capturing attention is hard, it's expensive. So I think that's why webinars have surpassed. However, if you are just starting out, what I like about product launch formula is it's not really just teaching you about the product launch. It's teaching you about how people work, how the psychology behind sales work, why people make the buying decisions they do, how you can influence that, different types of stories that you can tell to touch different points. And it teaches you how to build a customer avatar to market to and how to sell your course and position your landing page and so many other just really good lessons that serve you outside of the launch, but in business as well. So that's why I I like it. It works really well if you've got an existing email list, uh, a lot harder if you're going cold. But, you know, it teaches you a lot about marketing, building relationships and, and how to move people from one emotional state to the other. And, and uh, it, it's great for that. I think when I first registered, it was like $2,000 and yeah, I've made it like a thousand times that in return. So sure. <laughs> yeah. Now at this point, do you just do like a couple live launches a year or do you have your funnel set up in an evergreen way? I have an evergreen PLF style at the moment. And then we're going to build webinars that agitate different elements of the audience in context with the course or service. Very cool. Yeah. So, so mine's similar. My funnel now for Piano in 21 Days is a essentially an evergreen PLF funnel as well. Yep. I do kind of have a evergreen webinar built into kind of the front end of it. But I've, you know, I've had that same, I've had my same pre-launch videos rolling for years. And it's amazing <laughs> how they can just work for you year over year. Yeah. I mean, the current series I give is a quick win SEO process. Basically, as long as you've got any level of organic search traffic right now, you opt in. 
you get the three-part series and it just teaches you how to identify existing SEO opportunities and the specific tasks you need to take to execute them. And it can be done by anyone. It costs nothing to execute, really simple to do. And um, it's a process that we give all of our new junior SEOs because it nearly always generates results within four to six weeks. And when you're new to the team, it's nice to own a result. So it can be integrated by anyone. And that's my current funnel, which then pivots into the fact, you know, SEO processes, right? You've just followed an SEO process. This is how easy it can be. And then it pivots into selling the course. So that's live right now. If anyone wanted to just look at that, you could go on the homepage of matthewwoodwood.co.uk and yeah, download all the videos, stick them in your swipe files and, and feel free to rip off any of my scripts and bits and bobs in your own launches. Okay. So matthewwoodward.co.uk is where we could enter that funnel if we wanted to check it out and possibly even... Yeah, right at the top of the homepage, big pink button, hit that. Great. Uh, yeah. So if you're doing this evergreen PLF style launch, I'm going to go on a limb and say you're using deadline funnel for the open and close cart. No, 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 no. How are you doing scarcity? I just do it with Thrivecart and an evergreen countdown timer that automatically locks a page. Okay. So you use the Thrive Ultimatum. Thrive Themes. Right. Yeah. But within that, they've got an evergreen countdown element. We just use that. Right. I believe it's called Thrive Ultimatum. No, that's an additional product. We don't use that. That's different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We just use the base functionality included with Thrive Architect. Yeah. Thrive Architect. Right. Within that, you can like drag the elements. Mm -hmm. You know, I I want a call to action. I want this. One of the elements is Evergreen Countdown Timer. And we use it. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So when is it? So you you said when somebody's just starting out, you want to kind of lay the foundation, right? Go on WordPress, lay the foundation, but we're not necessarily going to immediately do all these SEO related activities. No. When should somebody start really focusing on SEO for their business and their site? Okay. So, you know, Everything we've just talked about now is in, in essentially under the framework of it's important what platform you choose to build your course on, either how you deliver it or how you're going to sell it later, right? For me, I like everything in-house, in my control, without expensive subscriptions. So I do WordPress. I use that for the landing pages. I use it to deliver the course. And I use it also to set the SEO foundation and create content moving forward, right? The only things to really consider when you just started once you've launched and you've had some success and you've now looking what next, how can I grow sales? SEO is a great place to start for a number of reasons. What I like about SEO is you cannot get more qualified traffic than you can from organic search. When people are suffering from problems or stresses or they've got something that they need to solve, they're going to type it into Google. They're literally telling you what you want and you can take that And you can take your course and then create content that bridges that gap between the problem and the course or your webinar or whatever it is, your funnel that that you've got. Now, SEO in in general can be quite competitive when you're going for the bigger keywords like like, like you are. But when you're going for those longer tail, more problem-based keywords that include terms like why, how, when, can, should, you can usually get some pretty good traction without all that much effort. So... That's the right time to to start SEO. The right time is to get the platform right at the start before your course launch. And then immediately once you finish your course launch, you're going to know kind of what's worked in your launch, what problems people had, what questions came. And you can take all of that feedback and start building that into your SEO strategy. If you were to formulate an SEO strategy and launch it right now, you would expect to start seeing the results and uplift from that around six to eight weeks from now. So it's not an overnight thing. 
And it's something that you're constantly building and, and, and adding layers to. But it's not complicated. It's really simple for anyone. A lot of people get confused by it. So Yes, I'm one of them. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like when I tell people, hey, learning piano is not complicated. It's simple. Right. They look at me cross-eyed and that's kind of how I'm looking at you right now. So, <laughs> I mean, give me, give me, explain to me how this is actually simple. So, okay. SEO, is a, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, right? But SEO for the most part comes down to really three parts. One is making sure you've built a good foundation. A good foundation is something that Google loves and humans love. Usually if you've built something that humans love, Google will love it as well. Usually. A good foundation is like, if we look at your your homepage, Piano in 21 Days right now, this is what I would consider a good foundation, right? You're introducing who you are, you're establishing credibility, and you're pushing people into various types of content. Branded well, nice logo. And most importantly, it's fast, really fast. It loads quickly. And that is something that I think many people miss over in the digital world. Now, um, if you're using ClickFunnels, your load times are pretty Go put any of your ClickFunnel landing pages into a service called webpagetest.org and you'll probably see that the fully loaded time is, is less than satisfying. You have no control of that when you use on a, of a platform. But if you're on WordPress, right, we can optimize that and you can trim it down to three seconds, which is where it needs to be. The reason load time is important is, first of all, it's a confirmed Google ranking factor. Google don't confirm many ranking factors, but they confirm load time. We see that if we optimize this for clients, Within about four to six weeks, they nearly always see a boost. On top of that, it's a ranking factor for humans because it impacts every metric in business. It impacts conversion rate. It impacts average order value. It impacts if people come back or recommend you. It impacts your, if you're paying for ads, it impacts you there because you're seeing lower conversions and you're seeing loads of times and people frustrated and you're just wasting ad spend. So it's very, very important to have control over site speed. Don't have control of it with, with a lot of services, but if you're on WordPress, you do. So that's what I consider a good foundation, a site that is clear, crisp, communicates its message well, establishes authority and is fast. And you do all of those things very well on your homepage, very well. Thanks. And now if you look at the big red buttons, it's very clear what I want you to do, right? I want to, I want you to click on one of the red buttons. And if you do, that's where ClickFunnels starts. That's where the start of my funnel happens. So as soon as you do that, you're off of WordPress and you're onto a ClickFunnels page, just so you know. Yeah. Just looking. Now I'm glad you mentioned page speed because uh, that's something I've certainly been focused on. And, and something I did six or eight months ago was I'm sure you're familiar and I still don't even know how to say it, but I'll optimize. Auto-optimize. Auto, uh-huh. Yeah, auto-optimize. You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's a WordPress plugin, but they actually are, I went to their website. This was a good friend of mine referred me to this, but they have a service to where they will go in and do all the things that can speed up your site, right? So that's, that's what I did six or eight months ago to increase the page load speed of my site. Does it, does it require manual human intervention or are there some quick things that anybody could do to increase the speed of their site? Yeah, I, I just put the link in our chat here, but if anyone listening goes to matthewwoodward.co.uk, go to the SEO section at the top, then on the right-hand side, go on the increase website speed tutorial. There's a tutorial there that will show you a six-point plan to increase your website speed <laughs> without spending any money at all. And if your website speed sucks right now, which it probably does because most people's do, 
it's very rare that I see one that doesn't suck. You know, if you're posting more than 10 seconds right now and you get it to less than three seconds, you're going to get instant uplifts in conversion and revenue. And then you'll get uplifts from Google four to six weeks later. So it's easy to do. It takes about two hours, no experience necessary. Again, one of the benefits of being on WordPress. Yeah, very cool. And we'll obviously link to all these in the in the show notes. I'm sure people will be very interested to see uh, things like that. I mean, I paid you know $800, maybe even more for for a service when if, if I could have just gone to your your site and in a couple hours possibly gotten the same results. Hey, that's that's cool. You Thanks might not that. get the same results, but you, <laughs> sir, you know we're looking for a margin of improvement. And if you've never paid attention to site speed before, just the, those three steps will get you 70 or 80 percent of the way there. Yeah. Okay. So let's say somebody's listening and they're like, okay, I've got, you know, a clean site, it's direct, you know, good logo, page speed is good. But Matt, you're not telling me like, how do I rank for a certain term? Like if I if I want to rank for how to play piano, but I'm not ranking for how to play piano, those things aren't gonna just magically do okay. that for me, are yeah. they? Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to 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 ranking, first of all, we're gonna choose what keywords, what terms do we want to appear for? When people type a term into Google, do we want to appear for that term? And if we do, what are those terms? Obviously, there are a lot more people searching for piano lessons than there are for, give me an example, a longer tail keyword. Like how to learn a certain style of piano is going to be searched less than just okay. how to learn piano, right? Sure. How to, how to learn cocktail piano yeah, is going to be yeah. less than how to play piano. And equally, you're going to find that how to learn cocktail piano is less competitive and easier to rank for than how to play piano. Now, one of the big mistakes I see many people making with SEO is they chase search volume. They'll be like, wow, 100,000 people search for this, like piano lessons. And oh, only 100 people search for, I want to learn how to play piano now, right? And people chase those big search volumes, but that really specific long tail term is a buyer and it's a hundred buyers waiting to buy right now. Whereas someone that's searching for piano lessons, well, are they searching for a real life instructor? Are they searching for someone near them? Are they searching for a digital instructor? Are they searching for a book? Are they searching for, you know, what, what are, it's so broad, right? So I like to get in the weeds with the types of terms and keywords I target. I like to be in those really longer searches that usually have some kind of question or motivation behind them, how to do whatever, why to do this, what is this, these kinds of the are, should, these kinds of terms I, I really like because it's people that are looking for a solution to a problem they have right now. And when you create content that does that, first of all, it inherently creates a student-teacher relationship. As soon as they arrive to your site, you're already offering them value and helping them. You're already helping them bridge a gap, right? And then if you pitch your relevant webinar sales funnel or whatever it is on, on top of that, that's where the magic happens. So how do we get to that? How do we know which are the phrases and terms we should target for our audience? There's a number of tools that will help you. But the first thing that you should do if you've already launched your course you're probably already going to know what kind of problems and the reasons people bought your course. If you haven't got that email in your course funnel after people buy, like, why did you buy? Get it in there. It's a gold mine of information, right? That's where you should start your SEO strategy from, because these are all the topics and problems people are facing, right? And these are, you know, that they convert because the money's in the bank, it converted. So that should be the start point of your research for the terms that you should target. How to do that? I, of course, have a tutorial ready for you that costs nothing. 
just a bit of time and elbow grease. Um, we've Google Keyword Planner. Again, if you go on the homepage, matthewwood.co.uk, go to the SEO section. There is the keyword section in the middle. And right there, you'll see a link to Google Keyword Planner. You can just put those common problems, questions, fears, or all of the, the motivation reasons that people bought your course into that tool. And it's going to spit out a list of recommendations and uh, uh, that you can target. Now, by default, Google hides search volume. It won't tell you how many people per month are searching for that. But in the tutorial just referenced, I show you how to get around that uh, with just a few clicks. It's not too difficult. But from there, what you've essentially created is a list of keywords, questions, problems, concerns, ailments that people are searching for right now that relate to your product and your course or your service or whatever it is. So that research there, people call it keyword research. I don't like to call it keyword research. That's too limiting in your mentality. You're really researching the audience. It's people research. And that starts with with your buyers and, and, and why they bought. There's so many tools and big data and this, that, and the other to get distracted with, with keyword research, but keep it simple because it is simple. What problems do my customers face? Here's how to solve them. Buy my course. That's it. It's coming across pretty simple so far. Now, if I'm guessing the next step is once you discover those things, you just create content around those That's phrases. It. That's it. And <laughs> one of the benefits of creating a course means you're already pretty good at creating content. Now, naturally, I got a tutorial. If you're not, uh, hit the homepage, SEO on the right-hand side. There's a, a website content thing. I'll put the link for, for later. But what we're doing there is we're just answering what the question is in the best way that we can. And if you've created course content, you're already well positioned to do that. In many cases, you won't even need to create the content. You could perhaps repurpose some content from your course and start branching out. And the way I like to look at it is each piece of content I publish is another net to catch leads. So every time I publish a new piece of content, it's a new opportunity for people to find me. It's a new opportunity to bring leads into my funnel. It, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's you know. Okay. So we so if we identify a certain phrase that we want to target and we decide we're going to make some content around that phrase, yeah. should we make that content text or video or both? I like to do a search for the phrase in Google, open the top five or six websites right now and just look what they're doing well and what they're doing bad. And just with a pen and paper, just make a note on each one. Oh, I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. That'll give you about 80% of your content framework. And then your creativity can come and fill in that last 20%, right? Do I need a video? Maybe. I don't know. When you do a search in Google, is it a video result at the top? Yeah, then you need a video. If you do a search in Google and you find the top five results are list posts, you know, five ways to learn piano, five ways to improve your piano skills. Okay, you need to create a list post. If you do a search and it says you find the top result is how to learn to play piano. Okay, you need a tutorial based content, right? The power of observation highly underutilized in, in SEO. And uh, I think in general life as well, actually. That's fair. So at this point, we've essentially only talked about Google. And there's obviously far more search engines than that. And some things are search engines that we don't even consider search engines. Do these strategies apply to anything that is a search engine? Yeah, for the most part, focus on Google. 
that's where you're going to find the most wins. And usually if you do well on Google, you do well elsewhere. You can optimize for other engines, but I think it would be out of scope for the type of person listening to this and would add complication to something that doesn't need to be complicated. So if you focus on doing Google right and putting the the framework in place that we're talking about today, that foundation, doing your keyword research, and then creating the content and the last step we're going to talk about in a minute, if you focus on that, you tend to do well across the other engines as well. Well, let's let's at least talk about YouTube because I often recommend to course creators that they should also have a YouTube channel because typically online courses are video-based content. YouTube is video-based content. It's a good it's a good way to um to, to have some entry level stuff to your exact target market. The yeah. type of person that's going to go to YouTube and type in how to play piano is going to be the similar type of person that wants to learn from a piano course yes. as well. Yes. So if you could just offer a couple of tips for YouTube SEO specifically. Okay. Well, YouTube, you know, it doesn't lean itself into every niche, right? Right. Like some niches are more popular than others. So it's not a requirement that you're on YouTube, but it is a great way to build a brand and reach an audience. It's the second biggest search engine in the world. But, you know, you're going to see if, if, if something's getting searched a thousand times a month on Google, it's getting searched 50 times a month on YouTube. Right. So there's a gap there in the search volume. But like I say, the power of observation, if you do the search and you see that there's YouTube video results in the Google search results, because sometimes YouTube videos do actually rank in the search results, then yeah, use YouTube as as an outlet to win that battle, so to speak. In terms of YouTube itself as a traffic source, it is the second best performing traffic source for me in terms of we track affiliate link clicks, we track opt-ins, we track sales. And YouTube provides the the, the second best performing traffic in, 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 in those terms. In terms of volume, no, Google spanks it every day. But in terms of conversion and things, YouTube is a great channel and significantly better than Pinterest, Instagram, or Facebook, or Twitter, or LinkedIn, right? YouTube traffic converts. So it's a great place to focus, but not a requirement for SEO. When you're doing YouTube SEO, Essentially, once you've learned how to do website SEO pretty good, the same lessons apply to YouTube SEO. You're going to pick a target phrase people are likely searching for. You're going to include it in your video title. You're going to include it in the description. And, you know, YouTube SEO is just watered down website SEO, you know? So that's, you know, for me, YouTube, there's a lot more opportunity in some niches than others. And, and it can certainly be used to support your overall SEO strategy. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to, to focusing on Google because I think you said there was kind of one more big step. Do I have that right? Yeah. So, you know, the to recap, we want to get our foundation of the site right. Step one, we want it to be fast. We want it to be simple, clean. We want it to communicate. Just just look at Piano in 21 days, right? Great homepage Thanks. example. Thanks. Great homepage <laughs> example. Then you want to make sure that you're finding problems, well, keywords that are based on the problems your buyers are telling you have either from an email that you send out, or maybe you've got a Facebook group and you see people talking, all of your keyword research should be based in the problems, fears, ailments, or whatever it was motivated your buyers to buy in the first place. Next, create content that answers each of those keywords. So if it's how do I you know, learn to play jazz piano, create content, which is, well, do a search in Google, take a look at what kind of content's ranking, create something similar, make yours a little better, that doesn't mean like they've got a thousand words, you write 10,000 words. It just means make it better in terms of how it teaches and connect that into your sales funnel. That's it. Foundation, keyword research, content. 
The last remaining step is link building. Now, link building is essentially a rigged election. What link building is, when one website links to another, in Google's eyes, that is a vote. One website is casting a positive vote for another website. And the more votes you have, the higher up the search results you appear. That's a very, very simplified look at it. But it's a rigged election. Not all votes are equal. For example, if I link to you, that's not worth anyway near as much as if the New York Times links to you, right? So not all votes are equal. It's a rigged election, an election that we can control. Link building can be achieved in a number of ways. First of all, if you've got no budget and you're just starting out, again, homepage, SEO section, there's an entire link building section there. And within there, there's a couple of strategies that I show you that cost nothing but elbow grease testimonial link building, crowdfunding link building, event link building, all strategies that you can implement right now that will allow you to start building links and and rigging the election, so to speak, right? Another great way to build links is uh, appearing on podcasts, actually. (laughs) Imagine that. And, um, you know, we've also got a tutorial there that shows you how to automate podcast bookings like this one. <laughs> no, no, this was not automated. Tell me this wasn't automated. Yeah, the, the whole outreach, everything was all automated. So amazing. I'm sure you'll share that, but it's called podcast jacking. It's a technique I built it's in the link building section on the blog if you check it out. Link building though, you know, if you have got budget, it is, like I say, it's a rigged election. About seven or eight years ago, the average website owner didn't understand the value of a link but now they do. So just like you can't walk into a supermarket and just pick up bread and milk and walk out, you can't just like email, hit some website owner up and just walk out with a link. They're like, hey, that's worth money, right? So now it's uh, it's it's a game of, of budget in some cases. Google themselves do not like paid linking. Unfortunately, website owners like money. So <laughs> the, the the two worlds go against each other. So the quickest way to scale your link building is outsource it, outsource it to a reliable service. Again, I have a tutorial that will recommend some link building services to you and show you the various tricks that they use to burn your budget and essentially, yeah, sting you. You outsource your SEO, right? So you know all about this. Well, I, I don't know all about being stung by it. What okay. are you referring to? Okay, so link building is um, it's something that can help you, but it can hurt you as well if done, done wrong. And what a lot of people do is just resell posts on other sites, but the sites that you're getting the link from are in bad credit with Google. Mm-hmm. They're usually sites that are very spammed. They link to casino or adult or you know penis pills and all these other things. So you don't really want a vote from that type of site. And people know that they can sell links from these sites for $100, $200, you know. So people just pump them out and they sell them to people that don't know any better. And it looks great. Oh, I've got a link. Yeah, it's really good. But actually, it's quite damaging. And um, it's just being sold from a spammy network. And uh, unfortunately, I'd say 80 90% of link building services are, are set up in that way. If anyone's listening right now and they, they are actively engaged with a link building service, a quick quality check that you can do is look at one of the placement URLs they've given you. And then look, does this site have a right for us page? If it has a right for us page, this is a clue that first of all, the site was set up specifically to sell links and nothing else. 
it's also a clue that it's been majorly farmed by sellers and, and other people because you tend to only format a right forest page like that when you want to sell links. And what a lot of link services do is they just build a big database of sites that have right forers pages and how much it costs to publish a guest post and then resell that as a margin. Problem is Google knows that, right? So when you're getting links from sites that have right forers pages, they're not actually worth anything. You, you should have just took the money and set fire to it because at least you would have been warm for a matter of seconds. You, you've got some value. <laughs> so there's a lot of... Um, a lot of things that can go wrong when it comes to link building and specifically outsourcing it. Well, in, in the on the link that hit matthewwoodward.co.uk, SEO, link building, link building services, there's five or six common tricks that, that are used by uh, by many link sellers that you should be aware of that ultimately just burn your budget, give you no result, and at times put you at risk. So it's, it's important to be aware of that if you're going to outsource link building. So I, I don't directly outsource my link building. I don't have a link building service. I, I hired an SEO agency, uh-huh. right? Yeah. An SEO agency. In general, what do SEO contractors and SEO agencies do? Do they do these four steps or specifically certain ones of the steps? Yeah. If you're hiring an SEO agency, they should be doing all of what we've spoken about. They should be putting the foundations in first, doing an audit, fixing any technical problems, any issues with speed and making sure you have got the right foundation in which to grow. They should also then be doing the keyword research, and then they should also be producing the content or asking you to produce the content as the resident expert. And then the link building they should be taking care of as well. It should be a holistic service where they control everything. However, SEO agencies aren't bulletproof either. What you tend to find is a lot of them will lock you into a 12-month contract. And despite how they perform, you've still got to pay them every month. You know, Even if they destroy your search traffic, you're locked in a 12-month contract, you can't get out. And <laughs> I almost feel like that's the business model of a lot of, the, a lot of SEO agencies. <laughs> you know. Our agency, for example, we do a four-month contract, and then it goes to rolling monthly after that. And honestly, most clients bin us after nine or 10 months because they don't need us anymore. And it's true, they don't. So um, yeah, if if you're going to hire any SEO agency, look for one of those shorter three or four-month contracts, because what that means is they have to perform. And if they don't perform, they get cut. And that's a really good motivator to perform, right? Like you lose a contract if you don't perform. And four months is our minimum because if we start fixing all technical problems now in month one, it usually takes four to six weeks for Google to catch up with that. So four weeks work, four to six weeks for Google to catch up to that. That's two and a half months. You know, we got 90 days to prove ourselves after that. If we're not seeing increases after that, we, we tend to get sacked. <laughs> well, here, here's the only thing I don't understand. And what you said is that these four items are all really an ongoing thing. Why would somebody not need you after nine or 10 months? Because once you've got a technical foundation right, and once you're in that cycle of creating content and then building links, it becomes, like I say to you today, it's a simple process, right? The business owners or the business employees are usually the best positioned people to create the content. You know, sales staff, for example, they're interacting with your customers every day. They are a walking content strategy, right? These people know your business better than anyone else and better than an agency. So over time, once a site's had all of its foundation fixed, you've built authority to it over time, now they can just publish stuff and it ranks on the first or second page automatically. Then it's just a case of building a few links to it that they can outsource to services, right? So a successful SEO agency essentially makes itself redundant over a period of time. Mm -hmm. 
Or sometimes they look and they're like, whoa, whoa, I'm paying all this money. I'll just do it in-house. Right. You know, like it just reaches that. It's, it, that's just the, the natural equation of it. You know, we're like, yeah, nine to 11 months. We, we, we see our average clients stay. Okay. And uh, yeah. So you mentioned earlier that the, in your opinion, the highest quality traffic is going to be just organic search engine traffic. Yes. I'm assuming that doesn't mean you're against ads. No. Do you recommend that people have an organic plus paid uh, approach to traffic? Yeah, you've got to have a holistic approach to traffic and lead generation, you know, just like paid traffic is with its risks, you know, like we're coming into what election season, Black Friday, Q4, or your CPMs have gone up or your costs have gone up, your, your cost per acquisition's gone up, you know, just like you have those risks. We also have risks with Google Organic where they update the algorithm. So sometimes you get a chunk of your traffic just cut overnight. So it's important to have a holistic strategy that entails paid, FEM, Facebook, social, YouTube, SEO, and each one supports the other in the long term. I certainly would never like to have all my eggs in Facebook's basket or all my eggs in SEO. Even as an SEO, I wouldn't like all my eggs in SEO. You know, It's important to have that diversity of, of traffic flow and lead generation. I like to see my site in as many results as possible, yeah. right? I like to see an ad, an organic, a video. Like I want to be in as many spots on yeah. the first page as possible. That's the right approach, yes. right? Yeah. So these these strategies, these four steps, I mean, you you obviously have made it fairly simple, sound simple. Mm-hmm. How much of these, this strategy has changed? Let's say in the past 10 years, how much has the strategy changed, if at all? And how much do you see it needing to change going forward into the next five or 10 years? How we do things has changed, but the principles haven't changed. It's always been content plus links, right? And what powers content and links? Humans. It's humans that write the content. It's humans that engage with the content. It's humans that pull out the credit card and pay, right? And links, well, it's just a rigged election. All you've got to do is convince people to link to you. That, again, is a human game. So not much really has changed in the core principles. And I feel like this is what creates a lot of smoke and mirrors in SEO is how we apply things is always change. Oh, do this. This doesn't work anymore. Do that. Uh, but the core principle hasn't changed, right? You're trying to reach a person. You're trying to, they're going to come on your website. It's going to enter their brain. They're going to absorb it, process it and take an action. And that's fundamental way we're doing paid or SEO. And then link building again is just how can I convince someone to link to my site? And it's been like that since, well, about for about 22 years, I think link building has been introduced now. So that's it. It's like any business, right? If you focus on doing the basics right to a high standard, you see success. And that's the case with SEO. And what are the basics? A good foundation that's fast, content that helps and engages your readers' problems, backed up with link building. And that's it. You get those, get all of that right and you'll see success. Why SEO for you? Like what, what appeals to you about SEO so much that it's like your thing? I, like I said, I built my first website in Notepad. We didn't have any coding things to help us or anything like that. Um, you know, you, you learn how to build a website with a book, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that. So I've always been in the weeds of the nitty gritty and you know, setting up servers and just nerdy type computer stuff, right? I was one of the earliest esports athletes. I um, have always had an interest in sales and coding and creating videos. Now I think I've made my first video in Adobe After Effects in 98, wow. 97, 99, something like that. So um, SEO is like the convergence of all of that, right? It's the technical, it's the algorithm, it's figuring things out. It's, uh, you know, like if, if you're trying to solve a coding challenge, you know, 
it's, it's that kind of addictiveness to it. And then I was lucky to, to grow up in a time where people started to trust putting their credit cards into websites. Before it was like, oh yeah, if you put your credit card number in a website, you lose your house. You know, like <laughs> I grew up through all of that. So I guess just the way that the global economies converged, the way my natural passions of interest have converged, because SEO then leads into the sales and all the entrepreneur things, but it's a start point for me. I think it's just the convergence of all of that. And what I really like is, is it does change. It does move and it does keep you on your toes, which is a skill I think many people lose. They become rigid in business and how they do things. And SEO keeps you, keeps you lively, you know, and, and those skills have really come to light during this year with COVID and drops in economy and how we reposition things. And, you know, in, in some cases on business strategy three, while some people are still trying to do what they were doing before and not having any success, you know. So, uh, yeah, SEO for me, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, a, it's an addiction. It's, it's an unhealthy addiction. <laughs> Very unhealthy addiction. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad there's people out there like you that, that, uh, are addicted to it because <laughs> that, that makes it easier for people like me who, um, need it, but aren't necessarily obsessed with it. Yes. <laughs> so, Matt, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about your course. Uh, we talked about kind of the funnel to it and things like that, but I don't even know if we've, we've talked about the name of it. Tell us a little about your course. Yeah. Look, of course, I've got a course and, if you're just starting out, there's no need. The free resources we've spoken about today will be enough for you to increase search traffic for your course without spending any money. But if you want a more developed strategy, I have a course, 90dayseo.com, 90dayseo.com. And that is a complete search process in 12 weeks, broken down week by week. How do I identify our opportunities? How do we set our foundation? How do we do keywords? How do we create content? And more importantly, how do we create content at scale? How do we create a framework where you know we hire writers and you're managing a big team of writers? How do you do link building? How do you create a team that allows that to scale? It does everything. It's a complete step-by-step SEO process from zero to having completely established processes and systems in place that either you follow or team or juniors or people that you hire you know, college students, anyone like that are really great to hand this off to, to then drive for your business. It also includes a number of our internal tools that we've built. It includes all, all our kind of outreach scripts. Um, you know, we have a unique approach to, to outreach. We've uh, probably helped score this interview, actually. <laughs> so we talk about all of that. And at the end of the 90-day process, all you do is pick a new set of keywords, a new set of problems and repeat the process. So it's a repeatable 90-day process uh, each quarter of the year, and uh, it will sustain and grow your search traffic over time. Well, I'm a big fan of having the number of days in the in the course name. Oh, really? <laughs> Kudos to that. Well, I mean, come on, Dan, only 21 days. And to be honest with you, man, this is kind of silly, but like when I was starting out, I was like, should it be piano in 21 days or 21-day piano? And I really struggle with that. Oh, really? <laughs> Did you consider... Did you consider SEO in 90 days and flip it around? I'll be surprised if I haven't got the domain SEO in 90 days. I usually think about all the variations and register yeah. them. Oh, I don't have that one, actually. Like I have it written like 90 as a word, <laughs> but because sometimes people put the number and uh, sometimes people write it out. But uh, yeah, when it's coming to those decisions, quite often it's more about what's available with a domain, right? Sure. Than, <laughs> than anything else. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Now I just went there uh, myself to 90dayseo.com yeah. and it's kind of a long sales page yes. and, and I can just buy it there. But earlier yep. you were talking about this evergreen 
PLF funnel. So what's the incentive for somebody to go through the funnel or buy it through the funnel versus just buying it from the sales page? So there's two types of customs. I'm pretty well known in the SEO world and people are just like, yeah, I want to buy a course. And they don't want to go through a seven-day funnel to get to a sales page, right? They're just, here, buy it. And throughout my site, I have a lot of call to actions directly to the course with no funnel. The idea is that the traffic is already warm because it's come through my content. They've started in Google search, they found my content, I'm already helping them. And then by default, the site's going to try and push them into the funnel. But the option just to buy straight out exists. Now, in the funnel, however, it does work out cheaper. So the evergreen scarcity is on price. If you buy it from the general public site, it's more expensive than if you were to buy it while pitched in the funnel. And you use that in the marketing of the funnel. It's like, hey, you've got two days left to get the discounted price. Yeah. Yeah. And then at any point, they can go and check out 90 Day SEO and see what the price is that we sell it for. And both of them generate sales, both both, both approaches. Does the funnel generate more? Yes. Yeah, it does. (laughs) And it's going to generate even more when I start doing webinars. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, Matt... This has been a pleasure, man. I've learned a lot and I'm sure the audience is going to learn a lot. Have I missed anything? Is there anything else that you think is relevant to share with the audience? Um, you know, I've been doing digital marketing for a long ass time before it was even called digital marketing. I think one of the things that has allowed me to get ahead, not just in digital marketing, in general life is the power of observation. We touched on it earlier. There's huge value in just stepping back and watching and absorbing and, and putting your ego aside and just why is that person successful? Why did people buy that product? Why do people take a left turn and not a right turn? You know, Even if you just sat like in a restaurant, you can observe a lot in people's behaviors and why they do things and, and everything like that. Also in SEO, a lot of what we talked about was just the power of observation. Like Google's telling you what they want when you do a search result. Okay, observe that and then give them what they want. It's, it's a skill that uh, has you know served me well in many areas of my life, and I think it's generally underutilized in, in life. A good recent example would be all of the coronavirus stuff. You've got the US and the UK were arguing for months about is a mask effective, whereas in Vietnam they just shut things down for a couple of days and they had their economy open the whole time. You know what the difference is between Vietnam and the UK and the US? They wear masks culturally. So like the power of observation, even at like a high presidential political level is just lost on so, so many people. We can't see past the end of our nose to things that are working for other people. You know, you, probably most people didn't even know Vietnam's economy was open. They just had a very short shutdown, right? Like, so the power of observation is uh, a very important skill to have in life, in business, in family, in relationship, in friends. And uh, that would be my part in message. It costs nothing. Yeah, that's it. Amazing. Matt, it's been a pleasure to meet you. And thanks again for coming on. One more time. We'll put all these amazing links that you've shared in the show notes, but hit us up with the main domains one more time, please. Yes. Yes. You can go to matthewwoodward.co.uk, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-W-O-O-D-W-A-R-D.co.uk. That there is essentially the center core of everything, whether you want to learn about SEO or whatever it is. 90 Day SEO is a course, 90dayseo.com. And if you need any help or, or, or anything, have any SEO questions whatsoever, if you're in my funnel, at the bottom of every content piece, there's a comments form. You can ask there. I answer them personally, not my team. If you go through the funnel and you ask questions, it comes to me. So whether your questions about the funnel or about anything or it's any SEO problem you've got, please ask it. I will answer and I'll answer in detail. And that's it. 
that's me. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for your time. All right, that's a wrap on the conversation with Matt. And we're back here with myself and Dr. K. SEO, let's get into a little bit. I'll tell you what, let me, let me start out. He really simplified it for me in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway, he just highlights how important this is. I mean, it's something that cannot be ignored. Uh, the exact quote was, you cannot get more qualified traffic than you can from organic search. So like it or not, intimidated by it or not, your most qualified lead is using Google search. You got to do it. You got to figure out a way to do it, whether that's outsourcing, taking his course. Um, you know, it, it, you can't avoid it. You have to do it. Yes. So the four steps, if I could recap it, he mentioned it a couple of times, the four steps that he recommends lay a good foundation, right? And he says, even if you're a total beginner, do that. And by doing like, that's just have a WordPress site, like make it look pretty good. You know, the second thing is keyword research, but based on people's problems. The third thing is create content around those keywords and those problems. And the fourth thing is link building. I've never really thought about SEO from such a simple perspective. Yeah, it's a great framework. Yeah. So the other thing at the very end, you asked him like why he loves it. And he said, there's this addictive nature to it. And I have actually experienced that myself. So when I first opened my in-person business, I got like actually competitive. My competitive side came out about SEO and I was in a sprint to get to the number one spot on a Google search for, for my local search, Des Moines Chiropractor. And when I got it, I was fist pumping, happy dancing in my office. Then I did it again uh, with a more recent uh, effort to do SEO. So have you had that kind of uh, a competitive where you're checking and you're seeing, how am I doing on the rankings? Have you gotten experience that? Yes. I try not to do that, man, because it's, it's usually pretty slow moving. Mm -hmm. And as you know, like I, I started outsourcing my SEO probably four years ago now. And at the time I had very few search terms on the, the first page, but once I started paying Caleb to do it, like I would check it every day, like see, see how we're doing. And that wasn't a very healthy habit to do because it wasn't very, it wasn't changing very quickly. But, but fortunately now I've got tons of of really good search terms on the first page, like how to play piano, learn piano, learn piano fast, and so on. But I just look forward to kind of his monthly reports and, and don't don't get in the weeds, don't check it very often anymore. But there was definitely a time when I was doing that quite often. Yeah. And so for anybody out there who's intimidated by it, I'd say, uh, you know, if you're going to do some of this yourself, if you're going to take, take Matt's course for a little while, let yourself be in that competitive mode, mm -hmm. really make it a game uh, more than anything else that I've done. For a little while there, SEO became a game where I was trying to be the, the king of the mountain. And uh, I got results as a result of that. And then once I got to the top, then it was kind of like, ah, oh, that was boring. You know, it, it wasn't still <laughs> the same type of fun, but yeah, it can be, it can be a lot of fun. I could feel what he was saying there. Yeah. Um, his recommendation to create like a great blog post that ends up ranking on search. Um, that was a very simple process too. So he said, you know, search this specific topic, uh, a long, long tail keyword how to learn jazz piano as quick as possible. You search that, um, you look at the top five posts that are in the organic search and you make notes about what you like about each, you, what you don't like about each. And he said, that's going to be 80% of your content. And then 20% is going to be your own creativity. And then obviously we'd encourage people not just to, uh, to make sure not to plagiarize or completely rip off those other five sites. Yes. But that, that really simplified it. You could take almost any topic and doing that, you could probably make a better blog post. Yeah. And, and speaking of better blog posts, you know, you, I can't stress enough how important just the quality of the content 
is, right? And, and Google and search engines are getting better and better and better at just rewarding higher quality content because that's a better experience for their users. I was researching some, so I was taking a deep dive in music theory here recently just to put, just to make sure everything I was teaching in my new curriculum is accurate. And, um, and I, I just, I was searching maybe circle of fifths, some music theory concept, concept. And the first result that I came to was on a website. I think it's called musical-u.com, like the letter U. And it was such an amazingly well-written article with all kinds of great links and a couple of embedded videos. But, you know, the reason that that was the top result when I was searching for it is because it was such a great resource and I learned so much. And so they're being rewarded for, for great content because when people search that term, it, it works. It, it serves the purpose. Exactly. And when I was trying to rank or when we were trying to rank for how to play piano, that was kind of our big you know, uh, search term that we, were, that we really wanted to get on the first page because it was so much traffic and so relevant as well. We had an article called how to, how to play piano or it was in the it was in the title and that was the URL piano in 21 days.com slash how to play piano but we could never get to the first page and then I was like I wonder if this could be better a better article so we rewrote it and did spent a lot of time with it Emily spent a lot of time with it and did an amazing job and within a couple of weeks it was on the first page wow and has been ever since and so never underestimate the power of just amazing content that's awesome yeah so while I was listening to this interview last night I just randomly was like, well, what, what do I find if I search piano in 21 days? <laughs> and uh, there were a couple, couple things that jumped out. They're a little bit off topic, okay, but interesting to discuss anyway. So like on the first page, you have like three different, well, in the first two pages anyway, you have three of these review sites that do a comprehensive review of your program. Right. And each of them has links to your program. So there's something mm-hmm. called pianodreamers.com doomsquadmusic.com and then pianotone.ca. Mm-hmm. They all have these comprehensive reviews. Um, I was curious, is that something where they reached out and talked to you? Um, do they, are they using your affiliate links? And is that actually a strategy that um, these high-ranking review sites, like should somebody in the audience actually be reaching out to review sites and saying, hey, review my course um, and let's set up an affiliate link? So. Yeah, that's a great question, David. So in all those cases, it was not an outreach initiative on my part. So pianodreamers.com, I think is the top result if you just Google piano in 21 days. And they reached out to me, hey, can we get access to your course to review it? And I went to their site, they had already reviewed a lot of my competitors. And then they also asked if they could embed affiliate links, if they could be a part of the affiliate program. It seemed like a total win-win, and it has been. I think that's one of the top, if not top, review uh, uh, results if you type in Piano in 21 Days review is on pianodreamers.com. And uh, I've since talked to to the guy uh, over there, Lucas, uh, many times, and we have a great relationship. And they did an honest review of the course. And it, I think they gave it like an 8.5 out of 10, which you know, I would say it's it's higher than that, but I'm the creator and very biased. This new version, I'm going to get them to re-review it because I think this new version is going to be much better. But that's that's the story with Piano Dreamers, and it's been up for eight or ten months. And he's making five hundred to a thousand dollars a month from from the affiliate link that's built into there. And he he's got ten or fifteen different piano courses reviewed on his site. So if he's making a thousand bucks a month from each of them, that, that's a good business model, right? Yeah, no doubt. And then. One of the others I want to I want to mention. You said pianotone.ca. Yes, that's a student of mine. Okay, 
Yeah. So with with my high-end package right now as it exists, I offer two one-on-one piano lessons. And it's very rare people take me up on that. But this guy, Tony Lee, is one of my the best students I've ever had. He's he's was so committed. He just he was retired and took a deep dive into piano and uh, and just just loves it. And he he found out about my podcast and this side of things and he said, Hey Jacques, I was wondering if maybe I could cash in one of those lessons for for some business advice. And uh, and so he was like, Yeah, I think you know, I think I just want to create a piano website and do piano reviews on on keyboards and on courses. And and so I gave him some advice and he's doing great stuff. He's got a YouTube channel. And he's reviewed, he's, he's taken now multiple piano courses. He reviews them. He's got affiliate links built in. So he's an affiliate of piano in 21 days. And it's, it's, it's another win-win. So definitely check out pianotone.ca as well and support one of my, uh, one of my best students there too. Yeah, that's awesome. And I believe it was that one that I skimmed. And I, I liked where he specifically said that your community, um, your piano in 21 days community is really exceptional or special. Um, so Actually, when I was talking about that theoretical commer- or Facebook ad that you would run, that review was where I was like, this guy was saying like your community is something special to be a part of. Yeah, that's great. And, and maybe that's the type of thing that is not necessarily in the review on pianodreamers.com because I gave them access to the course, but not the other aspects. So and we need to revisit that once we, once we relaunch everything. Then the other thing I came up with when I just Googled piano in 21 days is uh, Reddit uh, ask me anything that you did. And so, um, you were kind of like my, my piano course has now brought in a million dollars, ask me anything. And I was just curious if that was an SEO tactic or I, I, I don't have much experience using Reddit. So I, I, I like Reddit. Um, I am looking right now for that post and I don't quite see it, but I know what you're talking about. That was just a marketing strategy for the online course guy brand side of things. And also just, just genuinely trying to help people. So one of the subreddits that I subscribe to and look at every now and then is is just entrepreneurship or entrepreneur or something like that. And I think that's where I posted it. And I just, what was it like? Hey, I made seven figures from a from an online piano course. Ask right. me anything. Yes, and there was a picture of you with your um your your ClickFunnels award. Right. So that was shortly after I got the two comma club. So it was just a way of I, you know I do things every now and then like that. I'm not I'm not necessarily trying to brag, although there is there is some ego in that. I'll, I'll fully admit. But you know, recently I crossed over two million in sales. I think we talked about that last week, I believe. And so I posted in the ClickFunnels Facebook group, and it was just it was just a simple post. It showed the screenshot of Stripe, and it was like it took six years to reach one million, and then only about another year to reach seven. And and I just said this this stuff is kind of exponential. It's not like I worked harder in the past year than the first six. It's just that all that work keeps paying off in an exponential way. Reminder: this was from one course and one funnel too, because people like to overcomplicate things. So that that's all I was trying to do. And it was it was if you saw from that Reddit post, that Reddit thread, it was very interactive. Lots of great questions. And I think you know there, there may be people listening to this podcast right now that found the podcast through that Reddit post. And if that's you, let us know. I'd appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, So one other thing, when he talked about um, him owning like essentially an SEO agency and he had a statement, he said a good SEO agency Mm -hmm. makes themselves obsolete in about eight to 10 months. And uh, basically, as I listened to that, I was thinking about how you've still um, really been incentivizing your SEO agency to keep working for you. Um, But as you, as you bring a bigger team uh, together, like in-house, did that kind of a statement make you consider taking more of the SEO strategies and, and moving it over into your own own uh, team? 
Yeah, that statement caught me off guard because I was I, I was thinking that he was insinuating that you have to work on it for 10 months and then it's just there and you don't have to work on it anymore. That's not what he was saying. It's just like they kind of have the tools to somewhat bring that stuff in-house. So to be honest with you, after we stopped recording, I pressed him on that a little bit more just to really figure out what he was talking about. Because if you look at these four steps, foundation, okay, that's not an ongoing thing, really. You can monitor it, but that's not something that needs to be done weekly or monthly. Step two, keywords based on problems. That's an active thing. You've got to, you've got to keep doing. Creating content around those keywords. Yes, you have to actively be doing that. Link building, I would say, is is probably not quite as active as, as step two and three, but it's something. So if I were to stop using Caleb, then we would need to do those things in-house, right? So it's just a matter of if we want to do those in-house or not. Maybe one day we will be doing it. But for now, I certainly don't want to do it right now. And therefore, I'm going to continue to have Caleb. You know, One of the biggest things he does for us is probably step two, is figure out what those ideal keywords are based on people's problems. And then he puts together what, what he calls these content planners and sends them over to us with what keyword we're trying to target, you know, target number of words, some of the features of the articles. And then Emily will take those and actually write the articles based on those content planners. Caleb, will, his business typically will write the content for you, but we found out that Emily's always going to write better articles than his team in piano, right? In piano. They're not piano experts, but they, they do write good articles in other niches. And, and I, I do want to give a shout out to Caleb. And if anybody is interested in outsourcing their SEO, I, I'm sure he's taking on new clients. And I'm, I've mentioned him before, and he's actually been on the podcast before. But the guy that I use for SEO, his name is Caleb Uku, kind of funny last name, U-L-K-U. And his website is ukulogistics.com. So you can check that out. But for now, I'm going to keep using him because he's doing the keyword research. He's providing us with the content planners. Emily's writing articles and I'm pay him mostly on an incentive-based plan. So it's kind of a win-win. Well, the last thing I wanted to mention is uh, just bring up this idea of the catchphrase again. So okay, <laughs> as I was listening to your next level Q&As, there was one that I thought uh, you ended on a really nice note. Um, so essentially you said, uh, you said, good luck this week. Get after it. Let's make some awesome courses that are not just information, but transformation. And so I thought when you're ready to close out this episode, uh, maybe finish with something like that. So not just information, but transformation. And uh, maybe I can jump in on that transformation word and uh, just close out the episode that way. Let's, we'll try it at the end of this one. So I'm thinking maybe let's get out there and make some next level courses that are not just information, but transformation. Transformation. Yeah. And, and we can we can call it next level courses because that's what I want people to create is next level courses, not just courses. Very nice. And that's kind of my definition. So a couple more things before we wrap up. I think you were done with your takeaways, right? Yes. So I forgot you mentioned Andrew at the intro and I wanted to give him a shout out because yes, he's amazing. And Andrew is one of the first people to join next level courses. He's in the guitar niche. And it took me a few weeks to actually ask him how old he was because he looks young, but I, I didn't know how young he was. And one day I just looked at him. I was like, dude, how old are you? He goes, 18. He like, he's like, yeah, I just graduated high school a couple months ago. And the guy's making thousands of dollars a month from his online guitar course. And you know, he, he's smart. You know why he's smart? Because, and I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my horn, but he, he found somebody that's doing exactly what he wants to do and copied everything he could without like plagiarizing, right? So he copied my exact funnel. He copied my exact pricing and model of the packages. Like he's doing everything he can possibly be doing, modeling it after me. 
And it's, it's taken me so much effort to get to where I am. That's, that's so smart, right? That's amazing. And uh, yeah, he just, I mean, just a few months ago, he was in high school and he actually takes a few classes, I believe, at his local college. And I'm like, Andrew, why? Why are you taking like, <laughs> yeah. like, let's just make this online course thing work, man. Um, so he's doing awesome stuff and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to get to know him a little bit. So shout out to Andrew. That's, that's so, so cool. Yeah. Well, and one more thing, um, back in the Tim Shields episode, you and Tim joked that you, you are the pros at selling to 55 to 65 year old plus people that want a hobby. (laughs) And Andrew on one of the next level courses, when you guys were chatting, he's like, I have really figured out who my person is. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's a, on average, a 58 year old guy who wants a new hobby. And so, yeah, I mean, again, he found his ideal customer. And then incidentally, that's the exact um, system that you created is how to sell to how to sell to over 50 year olds, you said. <laughs> so perfect. Not too young or old to learn piano, not too young or old to have a successful online course business. Right. So this was a good one, man. This was fun. Appreciate you joining me. Thanks for everybody out there for listening to yet another episode here. Thanks to Matt Woodward for joining me here talk a little SEO today. So that's going to do it for this episode. This was episode 155. So you can find all the links and show notes from today by going to oc.show slash 155. And until next time, get out there and make some next level courses that are not just information, but transformation. transformation. See you next time, everybody. 